What does it mean to be called crazy in a crazy world? Listen to Madness Radio, voices and visions from outside mental health. Sponsored by peer-run support communities, Freedom Center, The Icarus Project, and Portland Hearing Voices. Madness Radio can be heard on FM stations on the Pacifica Radio Network and is online at kboo.fm slash madnessradio. Thanks for joining us today on Madness Radio. I'm your host, Will Hall. Today, my guest is Francois Demange. He's a practitioner of traditional Amazonian medicine and has a background in anthropology. And for 17 years, he studied with the indigenous people of the Peruvian Amazon using plant spirit medicine, including ayahuasca. And we're going to be speaking with Francois today about Amazonian indigenous healing and mental health. So welcome to Madness Radio, Francois Demange. Hello. Yeah, it's great to have you here because I think one of the things that a lot of Madness Radio uh, listeners are interested in is exploring the ways that different cultures approach uh, what are called mental health problems, which we're going to be also exploring. They're also spiritual problems from the perspective of different cultures. And you have a um, very interesting background working with ayahuasca and um, indigenous healing in the Amazon. And ayahuasca is a powerful psychedelic um, medicine that's used to bring people into visionary states, and we're going to be talking about that and how that can help people who are having mental health problems. And maybe you should tell us just a little bit about personally, how did you get interested in this? You have a background in in anthropology, is that right? Yeah, and it's a very interesting uh, history. I mean, I was actually uh, in my 20s working in a business marketing uh, enterprise in um, in France, and I was looking for spiritual exposure and spiritual research, and I couldn't really find it in the environment I grow. So, uh, after some research and some traveling, I um, an exposure to different ceremonies with uh, Native American people. I heard about ayahuasca, and I heard about a French medical doctor doing research on addiction and as a use of uh, traditional Amazonian medicine in the Peruvian Amazon. So I decided to go there and had a very uh, strong experience that made me feel at home and really made me feel that I found what I was looking for. And I decided to settle myself in uh, this little town of Tarapoto in uh, the high Amazon jungle just after the Andes. And uh, I stayed there and lived there for 10 years, uh, get exposed with different indigenous people and different communities and, and learn that tradition. So you came out of the business world and you were a spiritual seeker. There was something spiritual that was missing and you couldn't find it. And then you found it in, uh, in the Amazon and with ayahuasca. What is it that you discovered in that that was so spiritually compelling? Well, I really wanted to, to connect in a certain way with nature and the understanding of our perception of nature and all that mythology in a way of the spirit of nature and that communication with the spirit world. In the context of the, the Amazon, the Amazonian man has always lived very close to nature and had a very strong interaction with forest and, and the knowledge of the forest and the medicine of the forest. So. The myth and uh, the knowledge of, uh, of those people is still very much alive today because they haven't been exposed so much to development and uh, industrial revolution. So it is part of the world where you can still find those traditions very much alive. And also they use this psychoactive plant called ayahuasca 
that is uh, boost in a way your senses and your awareness and your consciousness and open that understanding of spirit and interaction with spirit. When I experienced that and I was guided uh, by those people, I, I found that what I was looking for. I was really happy to, to see it and be able to experience myself. And I, I wanted to understand how that works, how you can communicate and establish a connection, a permanent connection with the spirit. That's what I was looking for. And tell us, what, what is ayahuasca? It's becoming more popular in the U.S. It's becoming more known. And so what, what, is, um, what is ayahuasca exactly, and, and how is it used in the Amazon? Well, ayahuasca is actually um, a vine from the family of the Banisteriopsis capi. And uh, it's a psychoactive, and uh, it's been used for centuries by indigenous people of all the Amazonian basin, from Ecuador to Brazil, uh, Peru, and uh, Colombia. And they prepare a tea from that vine, mixing uh, the vine with another plant, a shrub, called uh, Chacrona, uh, or Psychiotra viridis. And the combination of the two plants make that brew that people ingest and it has its properties of uh, psychoactive so it, it produces some visions and it's like a journey that activates uh, the vision in the body. It contains a, a substance called DMT and um, what's very interesting about it is that the combination of the two plants has a particular chemistry that interacts with our body. If you would ingest DMT orally, you wouldn't have any effect. But because of the properties of the alkaloids into the ayahuasca, it deactivates an enzyme that we have in our body that allows the activation of the DMT and facilitates the vision. So these two plants are taken together, and, and, and it's also not really known how the people who use the plants together knew how to combine them. Is that right? Or they have their own beliefs about how they knew to combine these two plants? If you look at the possibility for indigenous people, with all the options they have of the Amazonian plants in the jungle, which is infinite, to find that perfect combination that, that permits that chemistry to interact with our body, it's almost impossible. So it opens, it opens our imagination to the fact that indigenous people have been so connected with nature that they receive directly information from spirits to know how to use plants and how to prepare remedies. And it is believed that this is how ayahuasca in a way was found. It was, it's an information that was received directly from nature to the Amazonian man. How is it used? How are these ceremonies and rituals around the ayahuasca use? And tell us a little bit about the, the healing traditions in general, because they also use other plants and other methods, not just ayahuasca. Well, ayahuasca is part of a, a medicinal system, you know, that we call vegetalismo. Uh, Amazonian people believe that certain plants have medicinal properties, but certain plants, they call them plant master or master plant or plant teachers, because they believe those plants have a spirit. You can establish a connection with that spirit, taking those plants, those herbs, uh, or those roots that are non-psychoactive, they're just medicinal, 
but you need for that to keep a very strong diet uh, with lots of restrictions so your body gets purer and open and and you receive information directly from that that plant and you can heal yourself you can discover yourself and you have access to information and ayahuasca is one of them also but it is a psychoactive that means that it takes you to that to that journey it is it is a system in a way of uh, a language in all those plants connect together and uh, in the journey of ayahuasca when the practitioner has become more aware of the existence and uh, the knowledge of all the medicine use the ayahuasca to connect with the spirits of those other plants and then in a ceremony he would call them in singing and cause this energy of those medicines to bring them into the ceremony circle and bring healing for the people. Before we get into the ayahuasca experience itself, what are some of the other plants that are used and how are they helpful to people? Well, you know, most of the modern uh, chemistry that we use in our, in our pharmacy comes from plants and lots of them come from the, the Amazon. So there is a lots of different uh, medicinal plants that I use in the forest. I know mostly the local names, but there is all different kind of medicine, good for headache, to fevers, to back pain, to um, uh, good for cancer or blood issues or intoxications or parasites. So it's like having an alive pharmacy all around you that you can collect directly from nature and prepare remedies from it. But also it has a component of a spiritual connection. So you just don't connect, only connect with the medicinal properties, but it's almost if you, you establish a communication with the plant and ask for certain things uh, to be given. There is a component of intention. That is um, the big difference, I would say. And there are many different um, strands of the tra- traditions that use um, ayahuasca. What are some of them and how are, the, how are they different? So, yeah, ayahuasca comes originally from uh, the Amazon. It always has been used as a vehicle to connect, to receive knowledge, information, and communicate with the spirit world. It is part of that whole concept of vegetalismo, which means communication with all the vegetals, so the system of plant-spirit communication. It has been used in many different indigenous communities, the Shipibo, the Conibo, the Quechua, Aguaruna, the Shua from Ecuador, they all have a deep knowledge of the use of ayahuasca. And they all have a certain way of using it. Mainly, it is always used in a medicinal healing ceremony, but sometimes also just to communicate with spirits, bring information, like uh, divinatory information about, information about the future, What's interesting is ayahuasca has evolved in its uses in the last century. Today, it has been brought out of its original context. And uh, even in Peru, which is where it's from originally, um, it is used by a mestizo mixed blood population that also has included Christian iconography and symbolism into its uses by the influence of religion. And in Brazil and other South American countries, new religions have emerged with the use of ayahuasca. One of them is called the Santo Daime, where ayahuasca was taken out of its original context by a Brazilian Brazilian man that was living in the jungle who had a powerful vision 
on a journey with the medicine, ayahuasca, and brought it back into a urban context and created that church called the Santo Daime, where ayahuasca became the main sacrament to connect with spirit, to connect with Christ in their, uh, in their church. So today, for example, in North America, our modern society has been exposed to these different traditions. There is healing ceremonies, using the traditional use of ayahuasca for spiritual connection and helping people uh, with the knowledge of plant spirit and healing therapies. And there is a huge movement in these different churches that help people getting empowered through the use of ayahuasca in a research of spirituality. And some of people also just use it for its journey properties to try to connect with consciousness or an awareness that, in a way, our society is looking for. And tell us about what these ceremonies are like. What sort of happens? Because I know that in the research with other powerful psychoactives like mushrooms and LSD, there's a real strong... Um, realization that it's really the set and the setting, the context, the way that the experience is constructed and the expectations of the that people have going in. And we're talking about something that is very, very deeply linked to uh, religious traditions and ceremony and the specific kinds of rituals. So what is it that happens in those rituals? And then what is the actual experience like of someone who's taking ayahuasca? And then how is it used for, for healing? So I, I can only speak also from my own personal experience, which is very much uh, oriented with the traditional use of ayahuasca. I was, I was influenced and trained under Shipibo, Conibo, and Quechua Lamista people, uh, where this tradition is from. In that context, ayahuasca is used for healing. It's normally ceremony takes part at night in a circle, in a traditional house, a big hut that we call Maloka. People come around in circle. The leader of the ceremony, the ayahuasquero, invites some participants to drink or not, but still to participate in the ceremony. Traditionally, the patient or the person who's going to receive the healing don't necessarily need to drink to receive the benefit of the ceremony. The ceremony takes place at night. Everyone drinks or not the medicine, and then after an hour time, the effects manifest in the body with visions that comes with that hypersensation. All the senses get uh, amplified and uh, the vibration gets amplified. And uh, for the practitioner, in that journey of amplification of its senses, he develops the faculty to visualize the pathology of the patients during the journey. So he uses ayahuasca almost like an X-ray. It's almost like the journey is oriented with an intention to look at the patient or at a situation into the patient that's going to show up in his visions and give him information about the root or the causes of the unbalance and try to rectify it through the use of singing or after the ceremony with a diagnosis that will in, imply the take of different medicines that are non-psychoactive. So, the sing, so singing and music are really an important part of the ceremony. Is there drumming and singing and chanting and prayer that goes along with the taking of, of the medicine? Yeah, it's mainly singing and sometimes some rattling. 
Uh, drumming is not so much part of uh, the Amazonian tradition. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's sometimes included in some singing, but it's mostly singing with rattling, a lot of whistling also. And so, what, and so what would be an example? Say someone has um, an addiction, for example, and they come for a ceremony, and the ceremony takes place, and there's, they see, the healer sees. What would they see in this visionary state of taking ayahuasca? And then how you said that the singing is used as a way of, of changing the person or rebalancing the person. How does that go? I also want to mention for the person, for the participant who takes the medicine, who decides to go on the journey, he's going to benefit from the power of the medicine of ayahuasca. It's going to amplify his senses and give him information about himself. So he's going to go into that trance. Ayahuasca has two main effects. It has this effect of introspection, so it reveals information that we've been holding inside ourselves. For addiction, for example, most of the time it's because people have been exposed to a huge trauma or something that hasn't been resolved. And it's a way for them to have access to that information in a way to resolve it. So to then move forward into the life and bring perspective to what is going on with the addiction. And it has also that effect of external connection and amplifying your senses and connection with nature and consciousness and universe. When we live a life of disconnection with addiction, for example, slowly we get disconnected with our social connection, with our perception to the world, and we shut ourselves down and, you know, we live a bit isolated. So when you go into that journey, it's a way in a, to reconnect and bring some perspective about your place into the universe as an individual and new connection to the humankind and to life. So it helps to overcome that disconnection. And that process is sometimes, you know, a bit intense. I mean, at the same time that you have access to information, you kind of purge out all the elements of tension or all the nuts, energetical nuts that you've been creating or have been creating and the medicine in a way ayahuasca untie and facilitate the release. So it clears in a way the body, clears the emotional charge uh, with this physical purge and allow you to like get rid of any negative charge and come back more into balance. So people might vomit or they might cry or they might thrash around or... It can be very intense and transformative. As you mentioned, singing and music is a very important part of the healing and uh, the traditional singing are called ikados and uh, the practitioners in a way in singing calls on the energy of all the plant spirit that he has been in connection during his time of training, doing what we call the dieta that I mentioned before. In that concept of vegetalismo, actually ayahuasca in the training comes after. A practitioner would first get to know the different medicinal plants, get to know the Amazonian pharmacopoeia, would go on long isolation in the jungle where he would be in touch with all these different medicine, drink those medicinal plants that are non-psychoactive, but following the strict restrictions, he would be able to empower his sensitivity, empower 
his awareness and empower his knowledge with uh, the connection of those plant spirit. So slowly the spirit of the plant will come and teach him through the dreams, through a certain awareness, a certain perception. And then when he finishes that time of preparation, he comes back into society, into the community, and close that diet, close that time of training, that is a training with an exposure directly to nature and to spirits of nature. So then when he drinks ayahuasca, ayahuasca becomes that vehicle, that channel that you open in that journey to connect with the spirits. So in the ceremony context, the singing helps to call the spirits and those plant medicine spirit energy into the circle of the participants. And you yourself went through this this training in order to prepare yourself to be an ayahuasca healer. What were some of the things that you encountered in, in your own training? Was it very difficult? Were there a lot of realizations and insights and transformations that you went through? Well, as a Westerner, you know, and grew up in the Western world, I had a lot of concepts around spirituality and religion that was kind of limiting my perception and understanding of nature. So there's lots of blockage. It's almost like if my cup were already full, then I had to empty my cup and refill it with a different perception of what is nature and what is a spirit. And I had to deal with all that fear that sometimes we grow with around positive or negative things. <laughs> and there's a lot of magic and there's a lot of manifestations that have happened during the years that I had in Peru of things that I thought were impossible or I was very scared of at the beginning. Really being able to see the presence of plant spirit without drinking any kind of psychoactive to facilitate that. I guess I had like a deep fear about, about that in a way in myself. Yeah, because that might be called uh, madness or psychosis or a delusion from a Western perspective. It might be called like that. Also, you know, sometimes there's a belief that it's associated with something very negative or some kind of evil or you're going to get hurt. With time and overcoming that fear, you understand that there is forces and energies in nature that actually are there and it's own perception that is modified and then we get we open ourselves into the perception of the thing and the acceptance and recognition of them, and we build up an awareness. And so that's what I went through. I saw some spirits walking in ceremonies and manifestations, and sometimes also good manifestation and bad manifestation, as there is all different kinds of forces in nature. It was very um, interesting. <laughs> it was a very interesting process and uh, empowering process. If you're just tuning in, this is Madness Radio, and we're speaking with Francois Demange. He's a practitioner of traditional Amazonian medicine. He has a background in anthropology and has studied with the indigenous people of the Peruvian Amazon for 17 years using plant spirit medicine, including ayahuasca. And we're speaking about Amazonian indigenous healing and mental health. And you were really changed from the beginning of your training to the end. How long did it take, the training that you did? So I believe myself that any person who's serious in the use of ayahuasca and wants to become a healer needs at least to be exposed to 10 serious years of training. And it's another thing that I would like to, uh, to bring up with your permission is that today, which is very interesting in uh, North American society, we see that the use of ayahuasca has been more and more popular. 
its original context or where it's from originally and its original uses, which is mainly for healing or spiritual connection, has been modified in a way into the modern uses that is given to our society. I think there is a desire to connect with spirituality or consciousness and the use of psychoactive always has been used or has been seen as amazing tools to do so. So we have many kind of ceremonies that are happening today in the US uh, where that tradition is not necessarily respected or is not so much talked about and the focus in is mainly given around the use of ayahuasca. But the whole also concept of plant spirit and the preparation of the practitioners is forgotten. So the healing aspect and the role of the healer is placed on a second on a second plan, where in the tradition I come from, that role is also fundamental to facilitate a safe base and a healing that's going to take place only because the healer has gone through a tremendous preparation. So are there some risks or dangers that might be associated with the popularization of ayahuasca? Because now, I mean, there are ceremonies growing in the United States and a lot of, especially young people who maybe have some interest in psychedelics and they maybe done have done mushrooms or done LSD, they think, oh, this is another opportunity to have a trip. Is there some risk and danger associated with that? Yeah, I think so. I think there is some danger, but also we cannot take away that ayahuasca is a medicinal plant, so it has an amazing way of interacting with the people. I think the danger is more how it is provided and what kind of environment is created for the, uh, the ceremony to happen. Some people are doing amazing work just facilitating a ceremony with the use of medicine ayahuasca to empower personal journey and self-realization not necessarily with a traditional healing-oriented ceremony. It still can be very beneficial. You know, I totally believe that. But it's very important to, to have experience and to do it in a sacred way with lots of respect and, and prepare the people to go in a strong transformation eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, cur- it's currently legal in Europe and the United States uh, under a religious practice, is that right? It is actually legal in the United States. The Supreme Court of America have, you know, voted a positive decision on that. And actually, in the state of Oregon, the Church of the Santo Daime, which is that religious organization that was set in Brazil that is using ayahuasca as a sacrament, is actually legal in Oregon, uh, has been recognized here. And again, it's a non-traditional use of ayahuasca from its its origin, but it's it, it's been used in a in a religious context there as a sacrament. Francois, I would love if you would give us a little feeling of the ayahuasca experience by sharing some of your singing. Could you do that for us? Yeah, so I have that song that actually I drum on with. Uh, traditionally, it's not drum, but the drum I think is is a very uh, particular touch. It's a Quechua Lamista song, and it's, it's a song that talks about the spirit of ayahuasca coming and opening the effect for the people and taking them into their journey, guided by the Kumaseba tree and crossing the rivers of the journey and to go on the other side and to find your own healing. No. Nu 
Varmisita kaya muni. Nuye, 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 nuye si. Varmisita kaya muni. Re molino hukumanta sawayangae, sawayangae. Re molino hukumanta sawayangae, sawayangae. Hai nananai nai, 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 Kuma se ba chungu manta kinchimbitu Ya na ya na taba kunzinto shinawarmi Kano a kuku manta pukumushun pukumushun nanai nanai Ay na 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 Anakta na pure na pure Chaya manta tingo mushon, medicina. Chaya manta tingo mushon, medicina. Wow, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Francois, you had mentioned ayahuasca and addiction. Are there some examples of people that you've helped with addiction and what kind of transformation did they go through um, with the ayahuasca ceremony? Well, ayahuasca, you know, even if that sounds uh, funny, but I guess in our society, because lots of people see that the drug is very helpful for addiction. It helps in the purge to clear any kind of it helps to clear in the purge exposure to addictive substance because it clears the energy of the body. So and someone who has dealt with addiction will drink ayahuasca and will go in a transformation of the physiological body and clear, clear in the blood, clear in the energy or the weight of the addictive substance. And uh, what's interesting also in the use of ayahuasca is that it is contrary of an addiction in terms of quantity because the classical schema is that the more you use an addictive substance, the more you need to increase the volume of its uses. And with the medicine ayahuasca, it's a contrary. The more you use the medicine, 
the less your body needs it because you become more sensitive, more open, more clear. So the interaction is easier. So on that physiological level, it's very helpful. And ayahuasca itself is not a, it's not a toxic substance. It doesn't harm the organs or cause any kind of toxic buildup in, in the body. No, on the contrary. The only thing that's a bit heavy about is the liver because it tends to ferment a bit and it's, uh, it heats up a bit the body. So it's a bit heavy on the liver, but it gets digested very easily and uh, it gets elim eliminated by the body in 24 hours. So, in, you know, nothing stays uh, in the blood or... It's not sticky at all, like in comparison, for example, with THC, the marijuana, which is highly used today in a modern society. Marijuana stays in the blood for a couple of days or three days. The THC is very sticky, it's very heavy to be eliminated. And ayahuasca gets eliminated naturally very easily by the body. Uh, also, on the level of an emotional component, the person who takes the medicine is going to have a boost of uh, the serotonin in the brain. So it helps like uh, dealing with problems with um, depression and it really helps to connect with the inner self and build up confidence. But sometimes also it doesn't happen like that in one night. So it's a therapy. So it needs a build-up, it needs a certain consistency in participating in ceremony to get to the point where the medicine can really interact and create the basis for healing that needs to happen. And have you seen people be able to stop using an addic addictive substance or really overcome their addictions? And how did they achieve that through, through ayahuasca? So I think, you know, and that's my position around it, uh, I've, I've had lots of ceremony with addicted people. I believe that ayahuasca is an amazing vehicle to help addiction or people who have been through addiction to reconnect with themselves, get cleared, and have a strong sense of awareness of why the addiction was there or where it's come from and go back to the trauma pre-addiction that really brings them knowledge about what's going on. I don't believe that ayahuasca is going to heal totally the addiction. I believe that it helps to bring the knowledge and to bring the perspective around it, but then the patient needs to step into his own homework, if I can say so, and, and duty to move forward in his life Addiction is always going to be there. Temptation is always going to be there. Opportunities for using always going to be there. It's not because you've done ayahuasca that suddenly it's going to go away. What's going to go away is that fog, is that disconnection, is that suffering. But then the temptation <laughs> is there every day in our life. Once you've, you know, you've tried something, sometimes people have a hard time stopping doing that. What about other mental health um, uses for ayahuasca, which are really seen more as spiritual problems. I mean, there's this whole idea of soul loss that someone who might be in a U.S. context diagnosed as schizophrenic or something would, in the context of Amazonian medicine, be seen as suffering a disconnect from their soul. And then how does ayahuasca potentially help that person? 
Well, I think mental health traditionally in indigenous people was seen in a very different way than, than us, you know. What's very important to, to, to say is that ayahuasca is not necessarily good for everything and for everyone. Here again, in the tradition I was brought, uh, the patient that have a strong trauma or is dealing with a very strong pathology is not taking the medicine into the ceremony context until the practitioner has been or has built a very strong sense of the problematic of the patient and know that the person is strong enough and has the capacity to overcome the journey. But the patient is going to be in ceremony and the practitioner in the journey is going to go and look to the causes of the trauma and facilitate then a therapy through the singing, through energy, energy work, and help the patient overcome that and find balance for mental disorder. In some cases, for bipolar or for big depressions or sometimes psychosis, uh, you know, ayahuasca can be very helpful. But the dosification and the environment in which it's given must be done in, um, by someone who really know and have experience about it. So for doing energy work or for learning information and gaining knowledge, what kinds of things happen um, in that ceremony that, that help people? Is there information about ancestors? Is there information about spirit possession or the influence of shocks that the person has gone, gone through? What is it that actually is the healing process for people who might have more severe mental health problems? There's different types of information that shows up. There's information for the patient, which is not necessarily the same manifestation than for the practitioner, which is kind of interesting and sometimes brings a debate. You know, there is always a bit of a gap to how the practitioner perceives in his journey um, the configuration or the reality of the patient and how the patient perceives himself or what the medicine ayahuasca brings into his visual about his own pathologies. And it's something that have happened to me a lot. I mean, I had even some patients that came to ceremonies in Peru with cancer and very severe pathologies. Their journey was all about transformation and having access to beauty of life and self-realization, what they need to do to overcome their disease or understanding of their relationship with others or themselves or how to love themselves and resolve some emotional component. And my journey was all about cancer and seeing the disease in their body into the vision and how the imbalance of their energy manifested. So it was way more, it was, it was different. And I think that, that was interesting. You mentioned previously that in a ceremony, you will sing in a way that will change a vibration and then you'll see a reaction in the um, patterns that you're seeing as a vision around the, uh, the patient. And then you use that as kind of like a tool to change the frequency or change the pattern that you're seeing. Yeah, it is very, very interesting, and it's actually, uh, hopefully, um, a book that I want to write mm -hmm. in the future is about the manifestation of the pathology in the visual through the journey of ayahuasca. When, when you have a certain practice with time, you recognize 
into the visuals uh, pathologies. The visuals into the journal of ayahuasca comes into a fractals of different lights and lines that make sense. And that sense is built up only with practice, of course. At the beginning, it's like, what is, all, what, what is this all about? It doesn't really make sense. Sometimes you can have very clear pictures of moments of your life, of understanding of situations. But most of the time, in this is kind of grid of colors and lines that interacted with you. And in those lines, there is manifestation of shapes, manifestation of spirits, and unbalance. So when you sing, when you're a practitioner, and you see those lines, and you sing, with the singing, it's like painting shows up into those lines. It's almost if the singing creates a reaction into the patient that helps manifesting into those lines what is actually going on into the patient's body, spirit, and mind. So you can understand and you can go into the root of the problem with the singing and modifying, singing, modifying that grid to to try to release whatever you know negativity you perceive or to try to improve it into a more balanced and rooted energetical field and that interacts directly with the patient and then also in terms of the interactions with spirits are there negotiations or communications do spirits sometimes bring messages that have to be struggled with or integrated for the person or maybe um, the spirit needs something and then that has to be provided by the person or the, or the community? Sometimes it is like that. Sometimes uh, there is ceremony that uh, some spirits would manifest or there is ceremonies where you see that some patients have some kind of possession, if I may say so, or they just, I would say they just got exposed into their lives through behavior or through uh, things they've done or people they've been exposed to with certain energies that in the ceremony have a spiritual manifestation. And um, I think it's important to place it like that for in our Western context and uh, to make it more sense. Do you ever get frightened during ceremonies or do you ever deal with spirits or energies that seem really overwhelming or scary? Well, you know, what's interesting, and people should know, when you're a traditional practitioner and you do ceremonies, it's not only about taking a medicine that makes you high and do some singing around it. Uh, the difficulty consists, first of all, in being able to see what's going on, and that takes a lot of years of practice to develop that awareness in the visions. And then, when you have a patient that you're treating and you're singing, you're not only seeing what's going on, but you feel there is an energetical transfer with the patient. So you carry on that energy for a while, and then you release it for the patient. You release it during the time of the healing, but during that time, it can be a bit scary. And it has been definitely difficult at the beginning and a bit frightening, you know, but you get the support of other practitioners, you get the perspective uh, of people who have a practice for a long time, and, and then you understand how those things work, and you build your own confidence and awareness and, and your own strength, and the more you go, the more you see, the harder it is, but the more you're able to work through it and to transcend. 
So we talked about addiction and we talked a little bit about this idea of soul loss. What are some other mental health uses that uh, ayahuasca can be, can be helpful with? Yeah, I think ayahuasca is very good for depression in particular and anxiety. It is, it is a therapy that could be very helpful. I had lots of people with depressions that have actually overcome their depression. People that come with use of uh, antidepressant, which actually have created more addiction pat- patterns in them, and have come to ceremonies and have actually let go the medication to then resolve the depression and walk back into the life with more freedom because they don't have a dependency into a drug taking a daily basis thing. Anxiety for sure, it's an energetical imbalance. You know, the thing with this kind of therapy, this kind of healing, this traditional healing therapies, it can be used for almost any kind of pathologies, but it's very hard to draw a general line. There is this component of individualism that is very important. And it's very important to let the people know about that. When someone has a problem, if you see a serious practitioner that has a traditional background and a strong preparation, he wants to see you, he wants to get to know you, you're going to talk about your pathology and he's going to see if he can help you. But to to say that ayahuasca can heal all different kind of Depression, it would be wrong, but to say that it's very good for depression, it's right. Then there's a component of the individual that is very important. So each case needs to be seen. And also, what about people who are suffering maybe from grief of someone that they've lost, or maybe they're in a conflict in their life, that they are having difficulty in their relationships, which also can have mental health implications in terms of anxiety or depression? Is, is it sometimes used in, for healing that as well? Definitely, because if the person takes the medicine and gets guided into the journey, he's going to be able to really visit that trauma or visit that difficulty. What ayahuasca does in the journey, and that's a difficult part for the participant, it reveals the trauma. So anything that was kind of under layer comes to surface. So you get to go through that trauma again during the ceremony, you release it, and then you're free of it. So this is where it could be a difficult ceremony, but it's very beneficial because then you untie the knot. Yeah, there is a sense of liberation and, and resolution. Francois, we don't have a lot of time left in the interview, but I wanted to ask you about the future because ayahuasca is really growing in interest here in the United States and there's more and more research that's being directed into it. Are you hopeful that the wisdom and the power of Amazonian healing medicine will continue to to grow and to reach more people and benefit more people's lives in, in the United States, in Europe, and the rest of the world? Well, that's a bit what I'm trying to do, you know, in uh, bringing um, education and awareness of uh, its traditional component. And I'm hopeful that, yes, more research, more openness is going to be happening into our society in uh, in the use of this medicine. But I have also some concern. Today, we're definitely facing a growth in the use of this uh, medicine into our society in the United States and Europe. I think there is an urge to uh, to create some serious education and try to uh, help in preparing more people around 
how to use this this, this medicine and uh, and make it safe and make sure that everyone is taken care in a good way and uh, this uh, tradition are respected and um, and it keeps growing in a positive way and not and uh, and the sense of safety is is there for for the people. And Francois, how can people get in touch with you if they want more information or where might they go if they want to learn more about ayahuasca and Amazonian uh, healing medicine? We have a website that is called vegetalismo.org, uh, V-E-G-E-T-A-L-I-S-M-O.org, which is a website we're still like building up. It's going to provide information around the traditional use of ayahuasca and uh, the traditional use of Amazonian medicine. And there's lots of information available online, and uh, people can Google it. Francois Demange, thank you for joining us today on Madness Radio. Thank you so much, Will. Thank you. You've been listening to an interview with Francois Demange. He's a practitioner of traditional Amazonian medicine with a background in anthropology. For 17 years, he studied with the indigenous people of the Peruvian Amazon using plant spirit medicine, including ayahuasca. That's all the time we have on Madness Radio. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Madness Radio, voices and visions from outside mental health. Madness Radio is co-sponsored by peer-run support communities, Freedom Center, The Icarus Project, and Portland Hearing Voices. Hosted by Will Hall, music producer is John Rice, with technical assistance from Jeremy Lansman. Listen to our internet stream, podcasts, and show archives at madnessradio.net. Madness Radio can be heard on FM stations on the Pacifica Radio Network, including KBOO in Oregon, WXOJ and WBCR in Massachusetts, Alaska's KWMD, and WPRR in Michigan. If you have an idea for a story or guest on Madness Radio, to help get us broadcast on a station near you, or if you just want to share what's in your head, contact radio at madnessradio.net.